Chapter Fifteen of Red Gauntlet by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Chapter Fifteen. Narrative of Alan Fairford continued. Alan Fairford's spirit was more ready to encounter labor than his frame was adequate to support it. In spite of his exertions when he awoke after five or six hours slumber he found that he was so much disabled by dizziness in his head and pains in his limbs that he could not raise himself without assistance he heard with some pleasure that they were now running right for the wampool river and that he would be put on shore in a very short time the vessel accordingly lay to and presently showed a weft in her ensign which was hastily answered by signals from on shore men and horses were seen to come down the broken path which leads to the shore the latter all properly tackled for carrying their loading twenty fishing barks were pushed afloat at once and crowded round the brig with much clamour laughter cursing and jesting amidst all this apparent confusion there was the essential regularity nanty ewart again walked his quarter-deck as if he had never tasted spirits in his life issued the necessary orders with precision and saw them executed with punctuality in half an hour the loading of the brig was in a great measure disposed in the boats in a quarter of an hour more it was landed on the beach and another interval of about the same duration was sufficient to distribute it on the various strings of pack-horses which waited for that purpose and which instantly dispersed each on its own proper adventure more mystery was observed in loading the ship's boat with a quantity of small barrels which seemed to contain ammunition this was not done until the commercial customers had been dismissed and it was not until this was performed that ewart proposed to allan as he lay stunned with pain and noise to accompany him ashore it was with difficulty that fairford could get over the side of the vessel and he could not seat himself on the stern of the boat without assistance from the captain and his people nanty ewart who saw nothing in this worse than an ordinary fit of seasickness applied the usual topics of consolation he assured his passenger that he would be quite well by and by when he had been half an hour on terra firma and that he hoped to drink a can and smoke a pipe with him at father crackenthorpe's for all that he felt a little out of the way for riding the wooden horse who is father crackenthorpe said fairford though scarcely able to articulate the question as honest a fellow as is of a thousand answered nanty ah how much good brandy he and i have made little of in our day by my soul mr fairbird he is the prince of skinkers and the father of the free trade not a stingy hypocritical devil like old turnpenny skinflint 
that drinks drunk on other folks cost and thinks it sin when he has to pay for it but a real hearty old cock the sharks have been at and about him this many a day but father crackenthorpe knows how to trim his sails never a warrant but he hears of it before the ink's dry he is bonus socius with headborough and constable the king's exchequer could not bribe a man to inform against him if any such rascal were to cast up why he would miss his ears next morning or be sent to seek them in the solway he is a statesman a small landed proprietor though he keeps a public but indeed that is only for convenience and to excuse his having cellarage and folk about him his wife's a canny woman and his daughter doll too gad you'll be in port there till you get round again and i'll keep my word with you and bring you speech of the laird gad the only trouble i have is to get you out of the house for doll is a rare wench and my dame a funny old one and father crackenthorpe the rarest companion he'll drink you a bottle of rum or brandy without starting but never wet his lips with the nasty scottish stuff that the canting old scoundrel turnpenny has brought into fashion he is a gentleman every inch of him old crackenthorpe in his own way that is and besides he has a share in the jumping jenny and many a moonlight outfit besides he can give doll a pretty penny if he likes the tight fellow that would turn in with her for life in the midst of this prolonged panegyric on father crackenthorpe the boat touched the beach the rowers backed their oars to keep her afloat whilst the other fellows lumped into the surf and with the most rapid dexterity began to hand the barrels ashore up with them higher on the beach my hearties exclaimed nanty ewart high and dry high and dry this gear will not stand wetting now out with our spare hand here high and dry with him too what's that the galloping of horse oh i hear the jingle of the pack-saddles they are our own folk by this time all the boat's load was ashore consisting of the little barrels and the boat's crew standing to their arms ranged themselves in front waiting the advance of the horses which came clattering along the beach a man overgrown with corpulence who might be distinguished in the moonlight panting with his own exertions appeared at the head of the cavalcade which consisted of horses linked together and accommodated with pack-saddles and chains for securing the kegs which made a dreadful clattering how now father crackenthorpe said ewart why this hurry with your horses we mean to stay a night with you and taste your old brandy and my dame's home-brewed the signal is up man and all is right all is wrong captain nanty cried the man to whom he spoke and you are the lad that is like to find it so unless you bundle off there are new brooms bought at carlisle yesterday to sweep the country of you and the like of you so you were better be jogging inland 
how many rogues are the officers if not more than ten i will make fight the devil you will answered crackenthorpe you were better not for they have the bloody-backed dragoons from carlisle with them nay then said nanty we must make sail come mr fairlord you must mount and ride he does not hear me he has fainted i believe what the devil shall i do father crackenthorpe i must leave this young fellow with you till the gale blows out hark ye goes between the laird and the t'other old one he can neither ride nor walk i must send him up to you send him up to the gallows said crackenthorpe there is quartermaster thwacker with twenty men up yonder and he had not some kindness for doll i had never got hither for a start but you must get off or they will be here to seek us for his orders are woundy particular and these kegs contain worse than whisky a hanging matter i take it i wish they were at the bottom of wampool river with them they belong to said nanty ewart but they are part of cargo and what to do with the poor young fellow why many a better fellow has roughed it on the grass with a cloak over him said crackenthorpe if he hath a fever nothing is so cooling as the night air yes he would be cold enough in the morning no doubt but it's a kind heart and shall not cool so soon if i can help it answered the captain of the jumping jenny well captain and ye will risk your own neck for another man's why not take him to the old girls at fair ladies what the miss arthurettes the papist jades but never mind it will do i have known them to take in a whole sloop's crew that were stranded on the sands you may run some risk though by turning up to fair ladies for i tell you they are all up through the country never mind i may chance to put some of them down again said nanty cheerfully come lads bustle to your tackle are you all loaded ay ay captain we will be ready in a jiffy answered the gang damn your captains have you a mind to have me hanged if i am taken all's hail fellow here a sup at parting said father crackenthorpe extending a flask to nanty ewart not the twentieth part of a drop said nanty no dutch courage for me my heart is always high enough when there's a chance of fighting besides if i live drunk i should like to die sober here old jephson you are the best-natured brute amongst them get the lad between us on a quiet horse and we will keep him upright i warrant as they raised fairford from the ground he groaned heavily and asked faintly where they were taking him to to a place where you will be as snug and quiet as a mouse in his hole said nanty if so be that we can get you there safely good-bye father crackenthorpe poison the quartermaster if you can the loaded horses then sprang forward at a hard trot following each other in a line and every second horse being mounted by a stout fellow in a smock-frock which served to conceal the arms with which most of these desperate men were provided 
ewart followed in the rear of the line and with the occasional assistance of old jephson kept his young charge erect in the saddle he groaned heavily from time to time and ewart more moved with compassion for his situation than might have been expected from his own habits endeavoured to amuse him and comfort him by some account of the place to which they were conveying him his words of consolation being however frequently interrupted by the necessity of calling to his people and many of them being lost amongst the rattling of the barrels and clinking of the tackle and small chains by which they are secured on such occasions and you see brother you will be in safe quarters at fair ladies good old scrambling house good old maids enough if they were not papists hallo you jack lowther keep the line can't ye and shut your rattle-trap you broth of a and so being of a good family and having enough the old lasses have turned a kind of saints and nuns and so forth the place they live in was some sort of nun-shop long ago as they have them still in flanders so folk call them the vestals of fair ladies that may be or may not be and i care not whether it be or no blinkensop hold your tongue and be damned and so betwixt great alms and good dinners they are well thought of by rich and poor and their trucking with papists is looked over there are plenty of priests and stout young scholars and such like about the house it's a hive of them more shame that government send dragoons out after a few honest fellows that bring the old women of england a drop of brandy and let these ragamuffins smuggle in as much papistry and hark was that a whistle no it's only a plover you jem collier keep a lookout ahead we'll meet them at the high winds or brutthole bottom or nowhere go a furlong ahead i say and look sharp these misses arthurettes feed the hungry and clothe the naked and such like acts which my poor father used to say were filthy rags but he dressed himself out with as many of them as most folk damn that stumbling horse father crackenthorpe should be damned himself for putting an honest fellow's neck in such jeopardy thus and with much more to the same purpose nanty ran on increasing by his well-intended annoyance the agony of allan fairford who tormented by a racking pain along the back and loins which made the rough trot of the horse torture to him had his aching head still further rended and split by the hoarse voice of the sailor close to his ear perfectly passive however he did not even essay to give any answer and indeed his own bodily distress was now so great and engrossing that to think of his situation was impossible even if he could have mended it by doing so their course was inland but in what direction allan had no means of ascertaining they passed at first over heaths and sandy downs they crossed more than one brook or back 
as they are called in that country some of them of considerable depth and at length reached a cultivated country divided according to the english fashion of agriculture into very small fields or closes by high banks overgrown with underwood and surmounted by hedgerow trees amongst which winded a number of impracticable and complicated lanes where the boughs projected from the embankments on each side intercepted the light of the moon and endangered the safety of the horsemen but through this labyrinth the experience of the guides conducted them without a blunder and without even the slackening of their pace in many places however it was impossible for three men to ride abreast and therefore the burden of supporting allan fairford fell alternately to old jephson and to nanty and it was with much difficulty that they could keep him upright in his saddle at length when his powers of sufferance were quite worn out and he was about to implore them to leave him to his fate in the first cottage or shed or under a haystack or a hedge or anywhere so he was left at ease collier who rode ahead passed back the word that they were at the avenue to fair ladies was he to turn up committing the charge of fairford to jephson nanty dashed up to the head of the troop and gave his orders who knows the house best sam skelton's a catholic said lowther a damned bad religion said nanty of whose presbyterian education a hatred of popery seemed to be the only remnant but i am glad there is one amongst us anyhow you sam being a papist no fair ladies and the old maidens i dare say so do you fall out of line and wait here with me and do you collier carry on to wallenford bottom then turn down the back till you come to the old mill and goodman grist the miller or old peel the causeway will tell you where to stow but i will be with you before that the string of loaded horses then struck forward at their former pace while nanty with sam skelton waited by the roadside till the rear came up when jephson and fairford joined them and to the great relief of the latter they began to proceed at an easier pace than formerly suffering the gang to precede them till the clatter and clang attending their progress began to die away in the distance they had not proceeded a pistol-shot from the place where they parted when a short turning brought them in front of an old mouldering gateway whose heavy pinnacles were decorated in the style of the seventeenth century with clumsy architectural ornaments several of which had fallen down from decay and lay scattered about no further care having been taken than just to remove them out of the direct approach to the avenue the great stone pillars glimmering white in the moonlight had some fanciful resemblance to supernatural apparitions and the air of neglect all around gave an uncomfortable idea of the habitation to those who passed its avenue there used to be no gate here said skelton finding their way unexpectedly stopped but there is a gate now 
and a porter too said a rough voice from within who be you and what do you want at this time of night we want to come to speech of the ladies of the misses arthuret said nanty and to ask lodging for a sick man there is no speech to be had of the miss arthurets at this time of night and you may carry your sick man to the doctor answered the fellow from within gruffly for as sure as there is savour in salt and scent in rosemary you will get no entrance put your pipes up and be jogging on why dick gardiner said skelton be thou then turned porter what do you know who i am said the domestic sharply i know you by your byword answered the other what have you forgot little sam skelton and the brock in the barrel no i have not forgotten you answered the acquaintance of sam skelton but my orders are peremptory to let no one up the avenue this night and therefore but we are armed and will not be kept back said nanty hark ye fellow were it not better for you to take a guinea and let us in than to have us break the door first and thy pate afterwards for i won't see my comrade die at your door be assured of that why i dunno said the fellow but what cattle were those that rode by in such hurry why some of our folk from bonus stony cultrum and thereby answered skelton jack lowther and old jephson and broad will lamplow and such like well said dick gardiner as sure as there is savour in salt and scent in rosemary i thought it had been the troopers from carlisle and wigton and the sound brought my heart to my mouth had thought thou wouldst have known the clatter of a cask from the clash of a broadsword as well as ever a quaffer in cumberland said skelton come brother less of your jaw and more of your legs if you please said nanty every moment we stay is a moment lost go to the ladies and tell them that nanty ewart of the jumping jenny has brought a young gentleman charged with letters from scotland to a certain gentleman of consequence in cumberland that the soldiers are out and the gentleman is very ill and if he is not received at fair ladies he must be left either to die at the gate or to be taken with all his papers about him by the redcoats away ran dick gardiner with this message and in a few minutes lights were seen to flit about which convinced fairford who was now in consequence of the halt a little restored to self-possession that they were traversing the front of a tolerably large mansion-house what if thy friend dick gardiner comes not back again said jepson to skelton why then said the person addressed i shall owe him just such a licking as thou old jephson had from dan cook and will pay as duly and truly as he did the old man was about to make an angry reply when his doubts were silenced by the return of dick gardiner who announced that miss arthuret was coming herself as far as the gateway to speak with them nanty ewart cursed in a low tone 
the suspicions of old maids and the churlish scruples of catholics that made so many obstacles to helping a fellow-creature and wished miss arthuret a hearty rheumatism or toothache as the reward of her excursion but the lady presently appeared to cut short further grumbling she was attended by a waiting-maid with a lantern by means of which she examined the party on the outside as closely as the imperfect light and the spars of the newly erected gate would permit i am sorry we have disturbed you so late madame arthuret said nanty but the case is this holy virgin said she why do you speak so loud pray are you not the captain of the saint genevieve why ay ma'am answered ewart they call the brig so at dunkirk sure enough but along shore here they call her the jumping jenny you brought over the holy father buenaventure did you not ay ay madam i have brought over enough of them black cattle answered nanty fie fie friend said miss arthuret it is a pity that the saints should commit these good men to a heretic's care why no more they would ma'am answered nanty could they find a papist lubber that knew the coast as i do then i am trusty as steel to owners and always look after cargo live lumber or dead flesh or spirits all is one to me and your catholics have such damned large hoods with pardon ma'am that they can sometimes hide two faces under them but here is a gentleman dying with letters about him from the laird of summertrees to the laird of the locks as they call him along solway and every minute he lies here is a nail in his coffin saint mary what shall we do said miss arthuret we must admit him i think at all risks you richard gardiner help one of these men to carry the gentleman up to the place and you selby see him lodged at the end of the long gallery you are a heretic captain but i think you are trusty and i know you have been trusted but if you are imposing on me not i madam never attempt to impose on ladies of your experience my practice that way has been all among the young ones come cheerly mr fairford you will be taken good care of try to walk allan did so and refreshed by his halt declared himself able to walk to the house with the sole assistance of the gardener why that's hearty thank ye dick for lending him thine arm and nanty slipped into his hand the guinea he had promised farewell then mr fairford and farewell madam arthuret for i have been here too long so saying he and his two companions threw themselves on horseback and went off at a gallop yet even above the clatter of their hoofs did the incorrigible nanty hullo out the old ballad a lovely lass to a friar came to confession a morning early in what my dear are you to blame come tell me most sincerely alas my fault i dare not name but my lad he loved me dearly 
holy virgin exclaimed miss seraphina as the unhallowed sounds reached her ears what profane heathens be these men and what frights and pinches we be put to among them the saints be good to us what a night this has been the like never seen at fair ladies help me to make fast the gate richard and thou shalt come down again to wait on it lest there come more unwelcome visitors not that you are unwelcome young gentleman for it is sufficient that you need such assistance as we can give you to make you welcome to fair ladies only another time would have done as well but hem i dare say it is all for the best the avenue is none of the smoothest sir look to your feet richard gardiner should have had it mown and levelled but he was obliged to go on a pilgrimage to st winifred's well in wales here dick gave a short dry cough which as if he had found it betrayed some internal feeling a little at variance with what the lady said he converted into a muttered sancta winifreda ora pro nobis miss arthuret meantime proceeded we never interfere with our servants vows or penances master fairford i know a very worthy father of your name perhaps a relation i say we never interfere with our servants vows our lady forbid they should not know some difference between our service and a heretic's take care sir you will fall if you have not a care alas by night and day there are many stumbling-blocks in our paths with more talk to the same purpose all of which tended to show a charitable and somewhat silly woman with a strong inclination to her superstitious devotion miss arthuret entertained her new guest as stumbling at every obstacle which the devotion of his guide richard had left in the path he at last by ascending some stone steps decorated on the side with griffins or some such heraldic anomalies attained a terrace extending in front of the place of fair ladies an old-fashioned gentleman's house of some consequence with its range of notched gable ends and narrow windows relieved by here and there an old turret about the size of a pepper-box the door was locked during the brief absence of the mistress a dim light glimmered through the sashed door of the hall which opened beneath a huge stone porch loaded with jessamine and other creepers all the windows were dark as pitch miss arthuret tapped at the door sister sister angelica who is there was answered from within is it you sister seraphina yes yes undo the door do you not know my voice no doubt sister said angelica undoing bolt and bar but you know our charge and the enemy is watchful to surprise us incident sicut leo vorens saith the breviary whom have you brought here o oh, sister what have you done it is a young man said seraphina hastening to interrupt her sister's remonstrance a relation i believe of our worthy father fairford left at the gate by the captain of that blessed vessel the saint genevieve almost dead and charged with dispatches to 
she lowered her voice as she mumbled over the last words nay then there is no help said angelica but it is unlucky during this dialogue between the vestals of fair ladies dick gardiner deposited his burden in a chair where the young lady after a moment of hesitation expressing a becoming reluctance to touch the hand of a stranger put her finger and thumb upon fairford's wrist and counted his pulse there is fever here sister she said richard must call ambrose and we must send some of the febrifuge ambrose arrived presently a plausible and respectable-looking old servant bred in the family and who had risen from rank to rank in the arthuret service till he was become half physician half almoner half butler and entire governor that is when the father confessor who frequently eased him of the toils of government chanced to be abroad under the direction and with the assistance of this venerable personage the unlucky allan fairford was conveyed to a decent apartment at the end of a long gallery and to his inexpressible relief consigned to a comfortable bed he did not attempt to resist the prescription of mr ambrose who not only presented him with the proposed draught but proceeded so far as to take a considerable quantity of blood from him by which last operation he probably did his patient much service End of chapter fifteen